today I'd like to talk a little bit about the concept of honesty. Now, when we hear the word honesty, often we want to correlate it with telling the truth as opposed to telling lies. And while it's true that our speech is a big part of being honest, um, I would actually say without speech, or some form of communication at least, it's impossible to be dishonest or honest. We have to communicate in order to be honest or dishonest, I think in some way. And we'll talk about that in just a second, but we can't forget that honesty is so much more than just our speech or the things that we say. To illustrate this, um, I thought of this story from when I was a kid. Now, my mom used to love to, I don't know if she loved it, but she loved to make us pretend to love it. She used to love to clean the house on Sundays or pretty much any free time. That's how I remembered my childhood anyways. But on Sundays, we would clean the house. It'd be this whole deep clean, and we'd have our chores divided up. My sister would have some. I would have some. And they, my parents tried every which way to get us to try and clean the house. We had chore wheels. We had lists of individual responsibilities. They tried to bribe us with money sometimes. They tried to inflict different consequences if we didn't do it, like your room's not clean, you're not going to your friend's house, stuff like that. But no matter what they tried, I hated, hated cleaning the house. And I wouldn't say I was like a more messy child than most children. I just hated to clean. It was just, there was no fun in it for me at all. I really didn't enjoy it. So I always tried to get out of it. Now, one Sunday when we were cleaning the house, um, we had divided up the bathrooms in the house. So I had a bathroom, my sister had a bathroom, my mom had a bathroom, we all had to clean. So instead of waiting to be uh, beaten into doing it, or which didn't ever really happen, or begged into doing it, I decided, okay, I've got a really good plan. I gathered all these cleaning supplies, my arms were full, and I walked past my mom into the bathroom, and I shut the door. Now, on my way past, she's like, thank you so much for just doing it. Man, it's so much easier if we just all pitch in and do the chores we're supposed to do. It goes so much quicker. I didn't say a word. I just walked past into the bathroom. What she didn't know is that while I did grab the cleaning supplies and rags and everything I needed to make sure the bathroom was cleaned, I also grabbed my Game Boy and a little cartridge of Earthworm Jim, which was a really fun game that I loved. And I sat in that bathroom on the floor for about 40 minutes playing Earthworm Jim, and she didn't even know. I had 40 minutes uninterrupted of not cleaning and playing games, which is what I wanted to be doing. Now, I hadn't thought this all the way through because eventually she did check on me and the bathroom was no cleaner than it had been when I started. If I was smart, I would have cleaned up a little bit, you know, done a little pre-clean and then sat down and done my games, but I didn't. And so even though I had never spoken a word of my intent, I had never committed to anything, I was truthful, I was not honest. So my speech had nothing to do with the fact that I was dishonest in that moment. So much of honesty and dishonesty is in fact how we live our lives. A certain expectation is set and agreed upon, that's the communication part, right? So communication with my, my mom was, she knew the expectation and I knew the expectation that I had a bathroom to clean that day. So I didn't have to be dishonest with my speech, I could be dishonest with my actions. But then this, this expectation must be adhered to and lived out or not. And this is what makes a person honest or dishonest. So honesty and, and dishonesty is about so much more than your speech, it's about your character. It's about 
being a virtuous person. But a question I'd like to look at today is one that I asked back then, and I often asked back then, why? Why are we expected to be honest? Why does it matter? And for that matter, why does it matter that we're expected to do anything right? And why is anything considered right? Remember, we're not talking about just lying. The Bible has a lot to say about lying um, on its own, but it's not my intent today to weigh in on things like, like Rahab with the spies or um, the, the um, midwives in Egypt or hiding Jewish people in your basements and what do you say in that situation if you're asked directly. I'm not talking about lying. I'm talking about honesty, which is sincerity, being morally virtuous, being blameless and well-intentioned. This is honesty. It's so much more about virtue than it is about our speech. But why is this the expectation? Now, some, some people might hear this say, why are we expected to be honest? That's a stupid question. Because it's the right thing to do. That's, that's the answer. For you that want to take it one step deeper, I would ask this. Why is it the right thing to do? This is, as a kid, this is the question that came through my mind all the time. Why? Why? But why? Why do I have to do it that way? And even as an adult sometimes, I need to be reminded, what's the bedrock of the purpose for why we're expected to do certain things? Why is anything the right thing to do? And I think there's three lines of reasoning that people can take. One is, well, because it's the non-harmful thing to do. This is a line of reasoning that's often taken by semi-religious or even non-religious people. They say that right and wrong is kind of determined by what is harmful to society as a whole or to individuals and what is helpful or beneficial. And I would say this, is, this has a level of reasoning that makes sense, um, but I think it's incomplete. You know, we have the two great commandments, love God and love your neighbor. Then we have the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. A lot of this has to do with right treatment of other people. What is beneficial to them? What is beneficial to the, the whole group? And so I do think that um, this line of reasoning that it's the non-harmful thing to do is what's right versus the harmful thing to do is what's wrong has merit, but it's, it's incomplete. I would say there's probably times where I could think of a time where if I was dishonest, it might benefit me a lot. It might not even hurt anybody else. Is it okay to be dishonest in that time? No, absolutely not. And none of us would say that it is, but again, why? I think that illustrates how this line of thinking might fall just a little bit short. The second line of reasoning people might take is that, well, God says so. God says to do this and not to do this, so that determines right and wrong. And I would say, in addition to the first, the first line of reasoning, these two things together really are starting to, to build a compelling case. You know, it's a right thing is not harmful to people, and God says to do it, so we should do it. I, it does take it a step further. It, it goes into the, the realm of objective morality, which if it's objective, it has to transcend human opinion. Well, God transcends human thought, and so objective morality must come from God. And on top of that, he's powerful, so why not listen to the most powerful being in the universe? He seems to know what he's talking about. Now, this, this worldview holds a good and benevolent God demanding that we also be good and benevolent. And that, that's a good thing. I would say, if that's your line of reasoning, you have something to stand on there. But I would still say, even this is slightly incomplete. Because it doesn't quite answer the question of, why? Why does he say so? I could ask a fish, hey, breathe air and expel carbon dioxide. It's going to be helpful for the environment. It's going to be great. I'm smarter than you are, so I know what's good. 
But again, why? Why would you ask that? What's the point of asking that fish that thing? So why should we be honest? Why should we be morally virtuous, blameless, and sincere? I think we should take this third line of reasoning, which is God is, so we have to be. If you turn with me to Leviticus 20. Leviticus chapter 20. Now this is found all throughout the Bible, Old and New Testaments, but I I like how Leviticus 20 and verse 26 puts it. Leviticus 20 and verse 26, it says this, Thus you are to be holy to me, for I the Lord am holy, and I have set you apart from the peoples to be mine. So because God is, we must be. Be holy, for I am holy. Be virtuous, for I am virtuous. Be morally upright, because I am morally upright. We're trying to transform ourselves, and God is trying to transform us into who he is. We're already made in the likeness of God, and we're set apart as sons and daughters of God. And if this is all true, then we have to be like him to maintain and attain to this this level of likeness of him. And God is honest, so we also have to be. And he's honest on a level that we can't even really comprehend. When God says, let there be light, there is light. He doesn't say it and then do it. He says it and it is. His communication, his action, his will, it's all bound up into one thing that reality itself is shaped by, his honesty. Now we as God's image bearers on this earth, we don't quite have this ability yet, but we are to practice it right now. I can't say let there be light and there is light. Reality does not bend to my will. Sometimes I wish it did, that would be kind of nice, but it just doesn't, we don't have that ability yet. But I do play a part in reality, and my words do have a certain level of power, as do my actions, just like God's do. So when I walk by my mom with an armful of cleaning supplies, that should mean a clean bathroom. Those things should be synonymous, not, well, he did this thing, and he said this thing, and he willed another thing. We are supposed to image God, and in God, his action, his will, and his speech are all one thing. So that when he says, let there be light, there is light. That's why the Bible says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Because we are imaging God. And because he is this way, we also need to be that way. It's not just because it's a good thing to do or because God commanded me to be this way, but because God is and I am to reflect him, I must also be. John says in his first epistle that we are currently children of God and what we will be is not yet known but we know we'll be like him because we're going to see him as he is. Paul says, with unveiled face, we perceive the glory of God and transform from glory to glory. And then David in Psalm 17 says, we will see his face in righteousness and be satisfied when we awake in his likeness. Our goal is to become members of the family of God, like him. If we desire to be a part of God's family, then we'll become honest, as he is honest, virtuous as he is virtuous, and holy as he is holy. So let's keep on practicing.